the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome once again to another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show. And here he is, Larry Rosenthal himself, live in the studio, ready to talk about all the Thanksgiving things coming up here before long. I know you've got some Thanksgiving plans, don't you, Larry? Absolutely, Chris. Going to be around friends and family. It's going to be a great time. How about you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Every year it's nice to... Actually, what I was thinking on doing is figuring out how to lose lose about 15 pounds between now and Thursday. That way I can just tank it all back on, you know? Sounds like a game plan to me. <laughs> if you can bottle and sell that, Chris, you make a lot of money. <laughs> That's right. I'll call it the four-day diet plan. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, welcome, everyone, and good morning on this Thanksgiving weekend, or, or pre-Thanksgiving weekend, I should say. I guess next weekend's officially Thanksgiving weekend, right? <laughs> but happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there, which, you know, Chris, I, I always wanted to do this and invite everyone over who's listening today to your house for Thanksgiving. Well, it's always but the a good problem idea. we have is he won't give me his address right even if i did they'd have to be staring at the outside because i won't be here this year for oh you're going out of town yeah, well, where are you traveling to? We're not traveling out of town. We're just going to some friends nearby. But yeah. Oh, so yeah. let me understand. We're inviting the Wava listening audience, <laughs> and you're not going to be there. <laughs> that's, yeah, okay. I guess that's a, being kind of. I think it's a plan, right? It's a plan. So well, we can't invite him to your house either, because you're you're not going to be yep, there. Yep. Yep. There you oh, go. Bob. Bob still. <laughs> Bob. Bob, we're coming to your place. That's right. <laughs> Good. Good. So, uh, you know, I'm telling you, we should really rerun, you know, or record all the pre, you know, <laughs> pre-production uh, or, or whatever it is before we go live here on the radio. The pre-show show. The pre-show show, yes, so that everybody can hear our turkey jokes and all that kind of stuff. But so, but anyway, uh, good morning and welcome to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. You know, hey, this week in the markets, global equities pushed down slightly this week. The ten-year uh, note dropped a little bit as well. Just normal volatility in the market. But we do have some big news: the U.S. House passed its, its version of its tax cuts. Which is uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, I did see that. Yes, now it's bounced over to the, to the Senate chamber, and they're gonna, you know, their their committee put it through for a pass, and now they have to vote on their version of it. Hopefully, they'll get that done here in the coming weeks, and then sometime before the end of the year, hopefully, both chambers will get, you know, their 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 their, their you know, two decks of cards, you know, 
um, shuffled together to make one tax bill uh, that, that will work for everybody in the country. So it's going to be interesting to see. Stay tuned. Everybody's kind of worried, you know, and, and happy and worried and happy. Those, are all, those seem to be all the conversations that I'm getting from clients over the last handful of weeks as this thing gets closer and closer. Is it causing some uncertainty in the stock market, possibly? It's not causing uncertainty in the stock market, not at all. If we have a lot of uncertainty, you'll see the markets pull back. Mm-hmm. But we're not, we're not seeing that. What, it's, what the market's doing really is just sort of waiting to see what what comes out of congress from a, from a tax package you know my take on it is if it's if it's if it doesn't pass i think we'll see a pullback a little bit for for a short period of time if it does pass and, and there's really no teeth to it it doesn't do anything eh, we'll probably see a little bit of a pullback but if it does pass and there's there's some merit to it we could see you know another possibly another leg up there's there's no guarantee on it all though chris mm-hmm. on uh, to to what the market's going to do with it all one thing's for sure though and that is whenever Congress makes changes, and in this case it could be material changes to the tax code, it always gives investors the opportunity to sort of move money away from certain areas or move money towards certain areas. So remember, taxes play a huge role in all of our, in all of our cash flow and all of our investment strategies, everything. Taxes basically are the most important thing in – or not most important thing, excuse me, the most expensive thing inside any investment. And and with this sweeping tax change that's going to be coming, possibly I say, then we'll we'll you know we'll hit the streets with a lot of education. We'll be we'll be uh, tuning up our educational seminar machine, and we'll be coming out uh, to do a lot of educational classes as soon as this gets passed uh, in in the coming weeks. So stay tuned on that, and uh, you know we'll we'll be one of the first to re- to report on it all. So if you have any questions on that, give us a ring. How this could could play out, you know another another scenario here too that that's going on, sort of quietly behind the scenes, is take a look over across you know across the big pond there. Europe is experiencing its fastest growth rate in a decade. Uh, last quarter, it, it, you know it's it's rising two and a half percent year over year, which is a faster pace than the U.S. at two point three. Um, you know, that's an annualized re- return. And as well as Japan has had its seventh consecutive quarter of growth, it's the longest streak that it's been growing in the last 15 years. So we're seeing a, a worldwide recovery finally kicking in from the worldwide financial crisis. You know, a little side note, though, these other nations are, are, are a handful of years behind us because when the financial crisis came out, they went into austerity measures. We went into stimulus measures. So they finally twist, you know, saw the other side of the street, and they're starting to do more of that. But good news from a global perspective as far as uh, expansion, jobs, and things like that. Does that actually bode well for us to consider some, uh, I don't know, emerging markets or foreign market investment? Well, yeah, if you take a look at international growth, you know, it's up uh, in, in the 30% range this year. So, so yes. So it's a so, good idea to have a piece of your portfolio in that, or possibly. It is, you know. And the question is, is it, if you don't, do you want to buy some of it now? That's the question. You know, how do you put how do you put money into a market that's risen so high? And you do it through dollar cost averaging. You take a little bit out each month and you put it into the market. Now, you might say, well, you know, between now and the next twelve, fifteen months, I think the market's going to be higher. Okay, well then maybe you put. A little bit extra into it now, but still dollar cost average your way into it. So 
lots of different ways to go about doing it, depending on your belief and your risk and your time frame and, and things like that. But, you know, when you see, you know, you for the first time in a long, long time, we're seeing lots of nations all around the world, uh, their, their economies expanding. You know, we've come full circle, Chris, if you stop and think about this. What, what's the stat here? We've come full circle since 2005. In 2005, October of 2005, the unemployment rate in the U.S. was 5%. Four years later, in 2009, the unemployment rate was 10% and doubled. Mm -hmm. I remember I was in D.C. Um, teaching a, a seminar one day, and uh, it was right at the start of the financial crisis, and people were talking about the unemployment rate going from 5 to maybe 7%. And I told them, I said, I said we're probably going to see it up, up, upwards 10, if not more. And uh, so that was, that, was, that was a lucky guess, I guess. But anyway, com coming back around... You know, now in October of 2017, okay, um, 12 years later, we're full circle. Unemployment rate is now 4.1%. So when you stop and take a look at that, that's all come back around now. Having a full employed um, uh, workforce should create inflation pressures, and that's one of the reasons why the Fed is looking to raise rates. So we'll have to see how that happens going forward. You know, inflation has been tracking below their targeted rate of 2%, but we'll see. The Fed's... You know, the Fed's pretty supportive with, with things, which, by the way, uh, the new uh, uh, proposed Fed chair has voted with Janet Yellen in all of her uh, 30 votes since she took over the Fed uh, a handful of years ago in 2014. So, so kind of kind of looking to see some more consistency there coming out of the, uh, uh, the Fed chair uh, office when, when it comes to that. So kind of interesting news. You know, um, give us a ring here at 855-ROSE-123. You're listening to Larry Rosenthal, Making Money Sense. That's 855-ROSE-123. With any of your financial planning or investment questions, hey, if you have questions on the new upcoming tax code, give us a call. How it's going to affect you, 855-ROSE-123. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called SARS Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the, the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494, or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703 201 2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703 201 2494.
You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. If you'd like to dial in, we've got some lines available for you. The telephone number is 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert here in studio with us today. Well, Larry, I just found out that the average cost for a 10-person Thanksgiving meal is about, uh, on the nation, 50 bucks. So, you know, that's your little little financial tip. That's about what it's... $50 uh, to feed 10 people? That's what it says. Yeah, that's that's kind of a... How much is a turkey? That's if you buy your own turkey, I guess. Unfortunately, uh, they say the five hours or so of exercise that it takes to burn off the 4,500 calories consumed by the average person, uh, it doesn't really... <laughs> is you know, it's a lot of, lot of extra stuff to put in there. But anyway... For the <laughs> so calories. we need 10 hours of exercise to burn off the Thanksgiving meal? That's what it says. Well, okay. <laughs> that's up. why you have a four-day weekend. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. But then you've got all the extra leftover Thanksgiving meal that you have to eat for that entire you know week afterwards, too. So, But that's always good. I always enjoy leftovers. Don't you like leftovers? I do. I do. I have my own little leftover thing. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. awesome. I do. I like a uh, nice turkey sandwich with rye bread, some mustard and onions on it, and lettuce. Uh, it's very good. Very good, but everybody's got their own little thing with it all. So, um, you know, in this in this thankful season, you know, Chris, uh, you know, one of the one of the neat traditions that we have is is we kind of go around the table. I think a lot of people do this, and and we tell everybody what we're thankful for, and you we know, with, without a doubt, yeah. thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ, with 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 no no doubt about that at all. Um, you know, and, and and we spend a lot of time talking about money and financial planning and investments on this show, and. I was reading this week, and in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10, it says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. It goes on in, in Proverbs 11, verse 4. It says, uh, Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. I was reading through James 5 this week, uh, verses 1 through 6, and talking about Talking about money, talking about wealth, talking about things like that, and 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 doing a in our Bible study was do, doing a a uh, study on this and um, talking about talking about money and talking about assets and and what to do and things and so we're all searching all different you know um, uh, study groups or, or study study notes and 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 commentaries and things like that and and you know God doesn't doesn't God cares about how we go about getting money and what we do with it and he cares about how we go about getting assets and what we do with them you know and one of the great things about god's economy is is to give it away you know to 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 make sure that you're not hoarding your assets you know so so what is the plan in this thanksgiving season to to give money away to give assets away Mm -hmm. to make charitable donations to help out a neighbor to help out a friend a family member you know, stop and think about that. You know, uh, what what is it that that you've been doing? What is it that we've been doing? You know, uh, to 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 further this, to to make it better. So. I think it's important also that God really looks on your heart. Where is your heart when it comes to Thanksgiving and giving away, and and you, even your concerns with money? Where is your heart on all of that? What is you know, what is yes. the desires of your heart? Yes, that's right. You know, First Timothy chapter six, verse seventeen and nineteen, it says, "Instruct those who are rich in this present." world not to be conceited or fixed in their hope um, uh, on uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of 
of that which is life indeed. So it talks about giving there, you know, not only our time but our assets and, and sharing. So in this Thanksgiving season, let's let's uh, let's try to do some random acts of kindness. How does that sound? Random acts of kindness, Chris. Yeah, no, just the other day, it did my heart really uh, good to see a young lady who didn't have quite enough money to pay for groceries in a Walmart the other day, and the person behind her just stepped up, put his credit card down, and paid for the entire thing. I thought that was neat. That's There's awesome. a lot of good folks out there that do those kinds of things, and that's just a random act of kindness that you could do. I wish the press would report that. Yeah, they don't normally. No, but that's that's great. I really wish they would. So there's lots of good going on in the world, and, and we need to add to it, so definitely. So there you go. So there you go. So let's get back to some investment questions and different things like that. You know, it's coming down to the end of the year. What should we be doing about, you know, the investments that, well, have been carrying a loss for a while? Do you want to sell out of them? What about the tax loss selling, year-end tax planning? Is it time to start selling the losers or not? You know, just because the market's up a whole lot doesn't mean every one of the stocks or every one of the positions that you own is up. Stop and think about that. In your portfolios, there's a good chance that if you have money in telecom, it's down this year. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, energy, it could be down this year. There are some certain asset classes that are down. Is it a good time to start thinking about talking to your advisor? If you do it yourself, is it a good time to sit down and take a good look at, you know what, do I want to shave some money off of here in, in, in a non-IRA account, maybe capture or book a tax deduction on my return, and then turn around and rebuy something in that sector, you know, 30, 31 days later, you, you're, you're able to, to do that and carry the loss on your taxes. So so there's some tax harvesting that, that, that is time to go around. I know it's a tough thing to talk about in this crazy market that we've been in, going up, up, and away, but I'm telling you, there are a couple of sectors that are actually still down. If you have money in those sectors, you could take a look at that and, and take advantage of of it. Well, that's a little confusing, isn't it, Larry, when it comes to you're only you're only having to pay on what you actually took as a distribution when it comes to taxes. And how do you figure those those numbers out because you can buy and sell all day long in an IRA um, as long as that money stays in there, right? And it doesn't affect your taxes yet. So, correct money that's inside your your IRA or your retirement plan. Whenever you move money around, there's no taxes to it because it stays inside the shelter of it. That's right. one of the advantages of a tax sheltered investment vehicle: IRA, uh, annuities, four hundred one k, government thrift savings plan, whatever it may be, four hundred three b plans. It, it stays inside the tax shelter, so you're able to move money around with no taxes, giving you compound interest, tax-deferred growth. It's a huge thing. It really, really is. However, when you pull the money out, that's when you have to pay taxes on it. But getting back to this tax harvesting scenario that we were talking about here, this only applies to non-IRA type of accounts, oh. non-tax-deferred accounts. So, you know, suppose you take – suppose you put some money into the account and and – you sell it within a year of when you purchase it. Well, if if it's a gain, then you have to pay ordinary income taxes on it. If it's a loss, you get a tax deduction to ordinary yeah, income as well, short-term capital gains. If it's long-term, where you've held it over a year, then you pay capital gains rates 20% to the Fed and whatever the state may be. Uh, so so that's what I'm talking about here. And, and But not taxes? Huh? Not regular income tax. You get the capital gains, but not income taxes on that win. Well, you know, you have to dissect the tax code a little bit, right? So, so if you're selling something and you owned it for less than a year, then it then it's taxed to you at ordinary income tax rates. Okay. If it's if you've held it for longer than a year, then it's taxed to you at at uh, capital gains tax rates. 
Okay. So there's a difference there in, in, in that. And we'll have to wait and see what the new tax code comes out saying about capital gains and ordinary income taxes and, and all that stuff, too. Uh, so, you know, next year, I'm, I'm telling you, this is going to be a very hot subject next year if they do rejiggle around the tax code a little bit. And that subject, Chris, is going to be on Roth conversions. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if somebody's in a 28% bracket and now they drop to a 25 or a 20 or wherever it may go, who knows what how this is going to play out? Is it right, a right time for that person then to start looking at making Roth conversions? You know, Um it could very well be. So, so you know, that's going to be a hot top topic all of next year. Is is how do you should you do a Roth conversion? How much should you do the Roth conversion on? But it's all predicated on how they make the tax code changes, and they've got stuff in there about that too. So we'll have to wait and see see how it all comes out. I'm kind of excited about it. You know, I never <laughs> thought I'd be sitting around going, oh, "I'm excited about seeing tax changes," right? <laughs> but uh, it'll be a, lots of opportunity for for people to, you know, really take a good look at their investments, their estate planning too. I have a, I have a if question. If the tax code changes about around the estate tax, there could be some yeah. some some need to be changing uh, your state taxes as uh, estate planning as well. I was just going to I had a question about uh, when it's time to start taking that money back out. You've been planning all your life for retirement. You can start taking out of IRAs. What is it? Fifty-two, fifty-nine and a half. When is well, it? Fifty-nine and a half. You, and a half, you can. Right. You you when when you have money that's in, you know, tax deferred growth positions. Uh, IRAs typically is what you're talking about. Right. You can pull money out at age fifty-nine and a half or over with no penalty. You have to pay taxes on it according to the Fed and the state, whatever tax. Well, rate depending you're in. on whether that's a Roth or a non-Roth. Right? Correct. So when you take a look at IRAs, here's the here's the deal. Here's the way the tax code is today. Under fifty-nine and a half for retirement plan dollars, there's penalties to pull the money out. There's a couple of scenarios that you can work around to to avoid that penalty, but for the most part, there's penalties to take it out between fifty-nine and a half. Uh, I'm sorry, under 59 and a half. From 59 and a half to 70 and a half, it's a carnival. The IRS doesn't doesn't care what you do with your money. You can take it out, you know, what, whatever you want. From 59 and a half to 70 and a half, basically, whenever you pull it out, you just have to pay taxes. Then more rules kick in for you at 70 and a half or over. That's the required minimum distribution. It's kind of a sweet spot in that age group, there, isn't it? Well, it's it's sort of the retirement, you know, quote unquote, the retirement planning years. And remember, uh, again, taxes are the most expensive thing inside any investments. And when you have money in retirement plans, the rules, as you know, Chris, listening to me over the years, can be very complicated. They they can be they can be um, uh, challenging if you don't really understand how how to go about doing it. You know, for example, someone was talking to me not too long ago about about taking money uh, and uh, out of their uh, investments and and uh, putting a they wanted to redo their bathroom and kitchen and stuff like that. And they were saying, you know, where should I take the money from? And after looking at everything, you know, they were talking about, well, if I take it out of the the retirement account, then I have to pay taxes on it. Plus, I lose the, the growth of that money. So, but if they take it out of their home equity, then all they have to do is, you know, they create, you know, maybe a $200, $300 a month payment back to themselves. If you pull that money out of the retirement plan, then, you know, out of the IRA, you have to pay taxes on that, but the offsetting interest could wipe that out. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so there's lots of strategies involved with it all that you can really take a look at doing. So, so understanding the the financial planning, the the rules of distribution is very important when it comes to all of this. But most people know it for 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 sure. But how to implement them 
is is very uh, uh, time consuming sometimes or, or hard sometimes. How do how are the tax brackets going to work? We don't know specifically how tax brackets are going to work, but at, they currently work when you're 59, 59 and a half. How much money you take out is that how you're taxed? Basically, your bracket is based on your. How is your income based when you retire in that time frame? That's a little confusing to that, me. That, that's confusing to everybody, Chris, and that is a very frequently asked question that, that, that we get asked at our firm, and that is, what are the taxes when I pull money out? It's whatever tax bracket you're in. So remember, money that comes out of retirement plans, you're taxed at ordinary income tax rates. So let's suppose that you have some Social Security coming in and maybe a pension. So let's suppose that your income already is, let's just pull out a number, let's say it's, it's $50,000 a year. That's still working income, right? So that No, that's not working income. That's pension income. Okay, so got it, got it. Maybe you have a pension for 30000 and Social Security for 20000 So right away, you're dropped into whatever tax bracket that $50,000 puts uh, you in. Okay. Then you pull out another 15000 from your IRA or your 401K plan or whatever. That money's just piled on. So now you have a $65,000 income. What tax bracket does that put you in after all of your deductions and things like that? That's how you end up paying taxes on it. Remember, when you put money into the retirement plans, you're avoiding current income taxes. Mm-hmm. When you pull the money out, it's taxed at income tax rates. Mm-hmm. That was the whole idea back in 1974 when the ERISA Act came in was to be able to defer income because back then we had 16 different tax codes. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not tax codes, brackets, 16 yeah. different Correct. Brackets. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 16 different brackets. You could actually go to work one day in a 32% tax bracket and retire the next week in a 25. Huh. Yeah. So you would win. You would put all your money away getting a tax deduction at 32% and pull it out and only have to pay 25. Today, we have six tax brackets. At least right now. We don't know. At coming. least right now, we'll have to wait a few weeks to see if we get less. Yeah. So the idea now of putting money away in, in a in a 25% tax bracket and growing it down the road, but what happens if you pull it out and you happen to be in a 28% tax bracket? Mm. Not so good, right? So there's lots of, of so things. That's planning to, right there is to know whether. Right. <laughs> but you can know. You don't know what a future Congress is going to do. No, Who knew? Who knows, right? And you don't know what's going to happen with deductions. You don't know what's going to happen with rates of return compounding interest effect, all types of things. But you, you really can adjust that, right? So when you find out what the new tax brackets are going to be, you as a planner can say, okay, well, maybe we don't take so much out each year in our in our dis- distribution. or you know. Could very well be. Could yeah. that, That's right, Chris. I, I have clients that, you know, th- this, this past week uh, someone was talking about, you know, they have some money saved up in the bank and, and they're getting ready to retire in a couple of years. They're talking about, waiting to see what happens in this tax code change, and they're talking about not having any income, deferring Social Security, not having any income, living off of some money they've saved up in the bank and doing some Roth conversions and trying to drop their income down to 10 or 15%. Because the taxes will be too high. That's interesting. Yes, yes, you think about that. What a what a great strategy it is. It That's really, why it's really important is. to have some money in savings. Yes. <laughs> well, it is, yeah, but but you know, just what a great strategy it yeah. really is, yeah, or yeah. sell off an asset, or something like that. So there's lots of different ways, and I'm telling you, when this tax when this tax reform act comes out, whether it has teeth or not, there's going to be lots of planning involved with it all. Hey, I see we got to take a quick break here. Let's open up the phone lines. Give us a ring here at eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five Rose one two three. I'm Larry Rosenthal. Give us a call at eight five five seven six seven three one two three. We're back in a moment with more making money sense. 
You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buying confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan first pre-approved certificate, 571-490-7117, or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage. 571-490-7117. 571-490-7117. Troy Turo and McLean Mortgage Corporations in MLS number 5618 and 99665. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in to talk to our financial and retirement expert here in studio, here's a phone number for you. 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal about anything related to your finances, your portfolio, planning for the future, those kinds of things. Again, 855-767-3123. Larry? Chris, another scenario here that's going through in this tax changes is is for some reason they've got coupled with the estate tax a, a, a the taking away of stepped-up basis. Oh. Which is a huge issue. It really is. And and when you stop and you take a look, well, what does that mean? You know, right now, the, this is and this is a big question. Right now, if if you own an account, not an IRA, just a regular account, Chris. Let's suppose you put a hundred thousand dollars into it, and 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 it grows to one hundred and twenty thousand, and you die. And on that account, there is a designated beneficiary, like it's a transfer on death account, or it's inside of a trust. And you name it, whoa, we'll make Bob the beneficiary back there. How's that, Bob? He's happy. Bob's happy, right? <laughs> so so now all of a sudden, um, uh, Bob receives this money of $120,000 as a beneficiary on this non-IRA account. After so, the Chris tax, he can do whatever. Right. He gets stepped up in his basis. So he gets the money at 120000 He can sell it all off and not have to pay any taxes. Right. With the new tax code, they're talking about doing away with that. So that's going to be you an lose interesting all scenario. That, that hiked money, that, all that extra money. That could it be. could be. So there's lots of things involved with this. I just can't help myself. i got to get into all this. So sorry if we're talking about taxes today. Kind of boring. Uh, but, well, it but isn't boring. It is end, very is. relative to, to a lot of investing strategies when it comes down the road here. The turkey so we'll, might not be so fat on Christmas Day if you can't have that stepped up in basis money. <laughs> or Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> There you go. All right, Chris, I got it. Hey, another subject I want to talk to today, <clears throat> we got a little carried away here with the uh, economy and fiscal policy. We usually just do that for seven or eight minutes in the beginning of the show, but 
excuse me, and then we roll into some financial planning concepts. And today I want to talk a little bit about winning by not losing. Winning huh? by not losing. Huh? Yes, yes. What does that mean, right? <laughs> kind of sounds simple, but I'm guessing not. Well, yeah. So, so winning by not losing. When when you have money in an investment, the larger the swings go, the less money you have. For example, let's suppose you have somebody who says, you know what, Larry, I just want to get an 8% rate of return, and I'm going to be happy. My spreadsheet, I'm the spreadsheet king, says I need 8%, and I'm good. So, so Mr. and Mrs. Smith, they come in, and they get 8% every single year. Mr. and Mrs. Thompson come in, and, and, and now I'm just making up names here, and they come in, and they say, all right, well, I want to get 8% too, but the first year they get 10, and the second year they get 6. What do they get? They average 8, right? The third year they get 12. The fourth year they get 4. They still average 8. So their disbursements are, are very wide apart. When you run that out, because math does funny things when you're dealing with compound interest and stuff, let alone adding taxes, inflation, and fees into it, okay, you'll find that the more consistent your principal doesn't fluctuate, the less fluctuation it has, the more money you end up with down the road. And then when you add in the withdrawal of money, we've talked in the past about sequencing of returns, that hits you as well. So when you take a look at this thing of, of winning by not losing, you know, if you're in an investment and you lose 10%, how much do you have to make the following year to get back to even? And most people say, well, all I got to do is make 10% back, and that's not correct. Think about this. If you have $100,000 and you lose 10%, now you have 90. And the following year, you earn 10%. You only have 99. You actually need, when you lose 10% of an investment, you need to earn 11% back. If you were to lose 20% in your investment, you need to earn 25% of it back. If you were to lose 30% in your investment, you need to win back. You need to earn back the next year 43%. So these numbers get very, very large. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. yeah. So, so when when you're looking at winning by not losing, and you're in the the stage of financial planning, again, we we we've broken it up into three different stages over the years: accumulation, distribution, and income, and legacy planning. <clears throat> And when you're in that distribution slash income stage of your life, you want to have less volatility in your portfolio. You sort of want to make sure that you have a good solid um, core of investments that you rarely change. And then you want to have some other investments that add a little bit of growth or income into that investment, depending on what your objective is for that, for, for that pile of money. So bottom line here is to win by not losing is making sure that you don't have a lot of volatility in your investment. Now, it's very tough to talk about today when the markets have been going straight up for the last year or so, right? So, But my point is that, that you need to really keep your eye still on the risk level and the income ability, the income deliverance ability of your investments to make sure that once you start, if you haven't already started pulling income out, that you win by not losing too much money down the road. So about it's those very important. Investments that rarely change. What do you you mean by that? You don't you continue to put money in obviously, 
Well, investments that you rarely change. So, Chris, there's many, many different ways to design an investment portfolio for people. And this is where people get tripped up and confused, and this is where people make a lot of mistakes. But let's try, let's try to unpack this a little bit and give everyone sort of a clear vision so they can, you know, kind of feel what I'm talking about here, right? And, and when, you, when you build an investment portfolio, you have to get to the very bottom of the root of what's going on in the economy. The, either the economy is expanding or it's contracting, Right. So let's suppose that the economy today, it's expanding, and, and it will continue to expand, let's just suppose. So as the economy is expanding, you want to get some core investments in there that do well when the economy is expanding. You know, so, so these might be some mutual funds, some individual stocks, some ETFs. They do well. So maybe you take 80% of your, of your investment dollars and you put them into this core bucket of investments. And then maybe on 20% of it, you put it into what we would call maybe satellite investments or something like that, where it's going to give you a little bit of, 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 of uh, growth orientation. Like maybe you say, well, I like technology or emerging markets or biotech or, or whatever it is, right, or financial services. So now maybe you take 5%. Of the, of the dollars, and you put an extra slant towards technology, another 5% towards emerging markets, another 5% towards consumer discretionary, or another 5% towards financials, or whatever it may be. So now you've got 80% of your money in these core investments that as long as the economy is expanding is doing well, and then you say, well, I like these other areas, and I want to have an extra little slant in those areas. So that's sort of a core and explore type of a scenario is, is the way that works. So, so that's what I'm talking about is, is your core investments really won't change a lot. And people get tripped up when they say, oh, well, look at this sector over here running really well. Let's load up on it. Let's start changing some of our core, our cornerstone investments in our portfolio and moving it over there and, and getting too much of a tilt, too much risk-reward relationship happening in certain sectors. D does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of hard to see what I'm talking about over the airways here, but it, it comes, comes down to portfolio design and stuff like that. Because when you take a look here, it, it's very important at the end of the day, let me just boil this down here, it's very important at the end of the day to really understand the, the, the importance of making sure your dollars, even though you're retired, outpace taxes and inflation. So when, 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 when we sit down with, with young investors, we talk about them, you know, people in their 20s and 30s and 40s, we talk to them about making sure your money is growing long enough to outpace taxes and inflation so you can get to retirement and really cross that finish line. But when we're talking to people that are pre-retired or retired, we're still talking to them about now we have to change these growth investments. We have to sort of turn them around a little bit and make them go into growth and income-producing investments. Because when you stop and you take a look here at the latest numbers, the probability of people reaching age 80 to age 90 years old for a married couple, there's a 49% chance that if somebody's 65 today and they're married, there's a 49% chance that one of them is going to live to age 90. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Men, it's a 22% chance, and women, it's a 34% chance. So when you stop and you take a look at retiring, let's say at age 65, now you've got 25 years of retirement income, this money has to outpace inflation over that period of time, taxes over that period of time, as well as deliver to you the income that you need during that period of time. 
So the, the construction, the, the building of the portfolio is very important when it comes to this growth and income. And this is where a lot of people trip themselves up on it. I've got a little survey that we can send out to you if you want to, if you really want to take a look at it. it. It's it's fun to do. I think it's about eight or ten questions, okay? And that will break out for you how comfortable you are in understanding how your money's invested. It's very interesting survey. It's 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 you know how often do you review your investment? Can you under do you, can you identify each one of your investments goals? You know, and well, that's it gives a good you, one. <laughs> it is, and it gives you a scale there. You know, like like one, I don't have a clue. Ten, I'm on this, no problem. So, so I want to make money. Usually, is what I hear. <laughs> that's there my you go. goal. But it's a it's it's a fun thing to do with clients. And they end up going, well, it looks like to me I've got a good understanding of this, this, and this, but not so good on that, that, and that, and that one over there. So so it really lets us very quickly in a very short period of time have the clients understand what they understand and don't understand. And what then that helps us to, to counsel and guide the discussion for them. So it really unpacks the, the, the knowledge base of so how we can work together with people. So it's very important because a lot of people, they just sit back and they go, Okay, you know what? What rate of return can I get? And blah blah blah. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. But how many times do you actually just hear that? I, I'm just trying to make money. I want to make a lot of money. I don't have a specific goal. How, do you hear that a lot when people come in and say, <laughs> or do they, I, you know, today, Chris, I'm hearing two things. Okay, and when when new prospective clients come into the office, into the firm, I hear that, and I also hear when is the next foot, the next shoe going to drop. Those are the two questions that I get. You know, how do I take advantage of making as much money as I can in this market? And then I also hear, when are we going to go into a recession? When's this thing going to come tumbling down? <laughs> and both so, of those are hard to answer. <laughs> well, they're both hard to answer. They're both opposite ends of the extreme if you really take a look at it, you know. Yeah. So when when we're really, you know, dealing with it all, we, we, we talk about it. So, you know, we get into economics and all different types of things in, in the marketplace. But at the end of the day, people people just need to understand that we live in markets of extremes. You know, from from 1926 through, I think it was the end of last year, the year before, the, the market, meaning the Dow, because the S&P wasn't invented back then, but the Dow uh, averaged 10.01%. Okay? So out of that 95-year period of time, this would be a great trivia question for you. Out of, out of those 95 years, how many years did the market, again, meaning the Dow, return 2% less or 2% more? So it, it averaged 10, 10.01. How many years did it return between 8 and 12? And the answer is 5. Over 95 years, it only returned within, within a 2% above or below 5 times. So that's we're in a market of extremes. That's so what our stock market is. So why don't you just invest in the Dow and stay there? You know, I mean, if you're that, only that's that's wonderful. That that's a great theory. The problem with that theory is the Dow is going to continue forever and ever. You're not, and uh, at some point you're going to need to start turning your money into income producing. And when you start withdrawing money and you're in a down cycle in the market, that's when you can go into a spiral downturn. That's why when you're looking at the three phases of financial planning, the accumulation stage, the distribution and income stage, and then the legacy stage, that's when you're, you're, you want to slowly move your investments from growth over to growth and income. And then when you unpack the income segment of that conversation, how do you start pulling money out? 
Well, there's ways you can pull money out of your investments without selling off the ownership of shares, and there's ways that you can pull money out of investments just by dividends or interest coming to you. Okay. So wait a so minute. Yeah. So how do you how how would you get money out without selling shares? Oh, that's a whole other conversation. So stop and think about this for a second. If you put money into a bond, the basically bond is is loanership dollars. You're loaning your money to a corporation or the government. Suppose you buy a bond from IBM. You give IBM $10,000, they say, okay, we're going to pay you, I don't know what it is today, 3% interest, okay? So they're going to give you 3% interest on, on the $10,000. You're going to get $300 a year. At, when that bond matures, they pay you back the $10,000. So during the course of that time that, that you've lent them the money, they're giving you interest, $300, and they're giving back your principal. You're not selling off any principal ownership. That's well, one well, way. That's to do if it. you own bonds, but if you own stocks and you want to get a return on those stocks, you got to sell shares, right? No. If you buy a stock, the first thing, one of the first things you want to look at, Chris, when you look at a stock, is what type of stock is this? Is this a growth stock or an or a a, a mature stock? Well, unless you get dividends from that stock. That's purchase. my point. So okay. suppose you take a look at at buying a a a stock that pays a good dividend. Okay, take AT&T, for example. Their, their dividend rate's right around 4%. So now you have so many shares sitting in there, and you're getting, let's suppose you're able to, to, to accumulate enough shares that now you're getting, let's say, I don't know, $10,000 a year on dividends from, from that stock. So the stock kicking money out to you throughout the course of the year, and you're still owning the shares. So you're not selling off any principal ownership. On the other hand, you buy a stock, that doesn't pay a dividend, in order to extract money out of it, what must you do? You must sell off shares. Which is something you're not a fan of. Correct. So when you stop and you take a look at building the income disbursement machine in your portfolio when it's time, what are the eight different areas that you can do it? You know, How are you going to get income coming into your, 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 your family during your retirement years? And it's pretty simple. It's Social Security. It's a pension if you're blessed to have one. It's working part-time after retirement if you choose to do so. Those are three areas right there. The fourth area is bond interest, right? And there's different types of bonds, anywhere from very conservative to very aggressive bonds. So you have to look at the mixture there and what you're comfortable with. That's a way that you can pull income without selling off shares. Another way is to do stock dividends, just like what you're talking about here, okay? And there, you have to look at the different types of stocks. What about if you bought a publicly traded REIT? They're paying 9%, 10% dividend rates right now. Are you comfortable with the, with the principle how it bounces up and down versus a blue-chip stable stock like ExxonMobil or something like that? A REIT is uh, real estate, right? Real estate investment trust, right. sure. So we use those too. We like publicly traded ones. That way you see the price and it's liquid every day. So, so there's ways to, to extract a, a tremendous amount of dividend income if you build a dividend-producing portfolio. So, so maybe you're taking a piece of your dollars. Remember, you still want growth and income now. So the fifth way to go about doing this also is to look at putting money into an annuity. An annuity can make payments to you that are guaranteed minimum payments now, there's a way that you're spending down principal, but at least you and your spouse are guaranteed for life. 
no yeah, matter what happens kind of in slippery, the market in the economy. When it comes to annuities, it's a slippery slope. You really kind of need to know what kind of annuities to buy because some of them you need to stay away from. I know you've talked about this before on the show, so that's well, Chris, a whole other story. It, it is. It is. And, you know, again, if I brought in, you know, 100 financial advisors, the first third are going to tell you how they love annuities. The second third are going to tell you how they hate them. And the, and the third third are going to tell you, yeah, they're appropriate at certain times for certain people in certain types. It just and you're depends. three-thirds. <laughs> Which yeah, one are you? Yeah, three-thirds. There you go, right? There's a third of a person missing, right? Yeah. So, and then the, the, the sixth way it, to, to, do, to do this uh, was, was the annuity. Then, then the seventh way to do this is to look at doing some covered call writing and options. You can do some option strategies that are that are pretty conservative, pretty benign as far as risk goes, that deliver lots of income into your portfolio. So you don't have to really understand how to go about doing that because during the time frame that that you're looking to retire your money, looking to retire with, you know, during your retirement years, you want to be able to produce income for yourself without selling off the ownership of shares. It's very important to really do that. Hey, I see we have to take a quick break here. We have to keep the phone lines open. We'll come, we're going to come back and we're going to circle back around more on this conversation because it's vitally important. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Reach me live here in the studio with any of your financial planning or investment questions. If you have questions today on what's going on with the pending tax reform, or how to put income into your portfolios in your retirement years, give us a call, 855-ROSE-123, or listen to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. I'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Remember those kids that you keep your kids away from? Those kids that society doesn't seem to know what to do with? That kid you saw on the street corner last week? Remember that kid that, well, you feel sorry for? The dropout, the pregnant teen, the drug addict. Those are the kids that Youth for Tomorrow wants to reach. And Youth for Tomorrow has reached nearly 800 children since opening its doors in 1986. That's 800 young men and women helped to become responsible and effective members of society. The founder and chairman of Youth for Tomorrow, former Washington Redskins coach and current NASCAR team owner Joe Gibbs, says if we don't do what we can to influence our young people, there are plenty of others who will in the wrong direction. For more information about Youth for Tomorrow, call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You can help turn a negative into a positive. Call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, making money sense. If you'd like to dial in, we've got some lines available for you right now. 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. Larry. Chris, edits, edits, edits. We're at the edit stage of my new book that's coming out. Edits good. Edits yes, good. Yes, it is. It is. It is. So it is. But uh, uh, we're wanting to get it out here in the... In the uh, uh, you know, it's been delayed a little bit for, for different things, but we're looking the first quarter next year, hopefully, Sweet. Uh, to get this out. Yep, so very excited about that, along with the tax changes. I kind of want to wait and see if we can put that stuff in there, too. So uh, we'll we'll see. 
uh, trying to get it all all together there. So hey, a lot of people hey, give us a call. Take, yeah, as I said, Jack, Jackie's on the line with you if you wanted to talk to her. Yep, absolutely. My screener's not working. Yep, here. there we go. Hey, Jackie, welcome aboard. Larry's here. Hey, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I am in the process of withdrawing uh, sixty-seven thousand from my TSP to consolidate a loan, uh, a refinance uh, a VA loan. And I wanted to know what would be the quickest way to put that back or to, uh, re, you know, put that back into my TSP um, quicker because right now the home is underwater and in order to consolidate the loan that's ballooning and to get into a VA fixed rate, that's, that's my question. How much would I have to put back into my TSP uh, given this particular scenario? Well, you've got to put it all back in there. So, yeah. so yeah, so over time, as much as your cash flow can afford, you want to talk to OPM, Office of Personnel Management, and ask them if you're able to make advanced payments on the TSP. Um, some places won't allow you to do that, and some places do. And so contact TSP and ask them if you're able to accelerate the repayment back to yourself. So it's just a matter of cash flow, Jackie, as to how much you can afford to stick back in. Okay, great, 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 great. All right, thank you. Okay, appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring here, 855-ROSE-123. We're coming down to the last few minutes of the show. We've got some callers here in line. I'll, I'll go ahead and stay in studio and answer your questions each week, as I usually do. Not a problem. But we also get people that call the office during the week, uh, at and you can call our office at 855-ROSE-123 as soon as we hang up off the, off the air here. As soon as they kick us out of the studio, Chris, <laughs> we flip it over. That becomes our toll-free number. You can give us a ring there, 855-ROSE-123 during the week. And we have lots of people often that call you know, during the week and they want some information on some of the subjects that we talked about. You can also go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com. Although we've got some new news on that, too. By year's end, we're hoping to, or in the probably in January sometime, we're hoping we're going to have a brand-new website. It's going to rock and roll. It's going to be nice. There's going to be... All kinds of videos all over it. It's going to be mobile ready. We're very excited about it. So I, it's I, I, I still get the first autographed copy of your book, right? I mean, that's yeah, that's without a doubt, Chris. <laughs> I might just put you in the book. I might put you oh, as a cover on the book. You want it to sell now? Don't do that. <laughs> oh, it'll be fine. It'll be okay. It's all fun and games, right? Yeah, indeed. So no, no, no worries about that at all. Well, I wish everyone a wonderful Thanksgiving this coming week, and. Um, uh, you know, one of the things here, we, we started off the top of the show this morning talking about little year-end planning. Is, is it time to sell some losers or not? Think about the gifting. Also, think about your 401Ks, the government TSP, your retirement plans at work. Take a good look at your budget right now and say, can I go ahead and afford to save one more percent next year in my retirement plan? It's one of the things I always harp on the last couple of months of the year on this show is remember, take a good look at your budget. Chances are, chances are, I, I, I say that in quotes, that you will not miss it if you put one extra percent into your retirement plan at the beginning of each year. Cut okay? back on a latte or something once a week. There you, know. you go. There you go. Matter of fact, Chris will pick up your Starbucks bill for you <laughs> in order to do that. How's that sound? I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I hear you, right? Anyway. Okay, everyone, we appreciate you listening here today. Not a lot of callers today, kind of a weird day, but that's okay. And maybe everyone's out shopping, which I think I might have to go do. You might have to. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh Uh-oh. Look out. Look out! (laughs) 
So, hey, well, for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone this coming week. And I'm sure we'll say the same thing next Saturday as well. So God bless. And uh, we'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll see you then. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.